Real Chan, about a new book which will change your thinking about food, farming and how you eat. Hello, Michelle. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Gabrielle. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Pleasure to be here. Great. Thank you so much for coming on to Bay FM over here in Byron Bay. Now, we've got this book that's been released this week that you've written, Why Should You Give an F About Farming? You uh, discuss very serious topics that are pressing in, in the world today around you know, food, food sourcing, food diversity, biodiversity, um, soil, sustainable sources of food. Um, what's brought you into this field of interest? Well, uh, you probably need to know um, a bit about my background. So I grew up in the city and had no connection to farming or country life, regional life. Um, I went into the media and was covering politics. Uh, at the same time, uh, I met a farmer and um, fell in love and moved to a sheep and wheat farm west of Canberra. But for a long time, I was just totally obsessed with the kind of the gallery coverage of uh, political debate. But I was noticing more and more that there was this kind of separation between what people um, in my little town, which is a town of about 2,000 people, were talking about and the, and the press gallery debate around politics. And one of those issues was specifically about farming. And I think the more I looked at farming, the more I realised that this food production industry that is so important to, to human health and landscape management uh, and economic issues like export income, uh, we don't really have a, a, an interconnected policy around it. We don't have a national strategic policy. And I think the deregulation era has really told us that food is just like anything else in terms of, you know, like a plastic spoon or, a, you know, a coloured television or a lamp. Uh, and really I think it needs deeper thinking than that because we saw with pandemic, as our shelves cleared, we suddenly got very focused on where our food comes from for just a short time. So the themes of your book that really stand out is that you, you're trying to get people to understand the interconnectivity of farming and food to everything and that, you know, everything that we really do and what we eat and our food security is all related to farming, but there's some there's some back issues there being that farming has now become corporatized. There's you know massive farms now mega farming in the the history of farming, which you cover as well, and you you're covering the history of deregulation. You're looking at issues around farm management, and as you said, you're from a farming family, and how once food was more such you know paddock to the plate, and then farmers were I really like that one of the lines in the book that you brought up that was saying, you know, cor corporations don't eat their own food, but farmers do. So, you know, there's more of a, a connection with food when farmers are run by families. And that's a very strong theme that I found in your book. And that was lost with deregulation in the 80s. Um, and that, you know, corporate model that came in, corporatization of farms. And, you know, you've, you've spoken quite a lot about that. Can you tell us a bit more about those those particular themes? Yeah, yeah. So it's... Uh... I think the, the push really from the 70s was uh, that farmers, in order to get resilience, needed scale, you know, to, to increase their size in order to shave their costs of 
production because essentially we wanted cheaper food. You know, we needed to make food cheaper. We needed to grow more export income. And I think that really created what I call in the book, you know, pharma economicus, the idea of homo economicus, uh, the business, the person who is a rational uh, economic person who makes all the decisions in their business on uh, straightforward, rational grounds, how much money it's, is going to come back to them. And I think that what that loses, that, that view loses, is uh, land management is a very tricky uh, trade-off. And so, for example, um, you could do something in the short term that would get you more income for the farmer, but in the longer term, it not, might not be very healthy for the land or for the animals or for the people in the business. And so I think the, the new thinking around farming is all about balancing those longer term interests of healthy landscapes, regenerating landscapes with uh, needing to make an income from the land. And um, there's starting to be some... Uh, changes around that, uh, changes in, in focus around that. And we are seeing, for example, a program from the federal government right now that's uh, the agriculture minister, David Littleproud, is looking at, and that is how to verify perhaps paying farmers to improve their landscape so that they um, can get another source of income. Because the bottom line is that the true cost of food does not include the cost to the environment, often the cost to the labour. We're seeing labour shortages now in rural areas um, of people who need are needed for food production uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't fully pay for the production costs. So I think there's a, you know, there's a, a problem there <laughs> if, if we're not costing the true, we're not pricing the true cost of food. I think it's a it's a system that's sort of waiting in some respects to fall over. Uh, you were speaking about you were uh, you were speaking about a conference that you attended, and um, uh, Jane Gleason White, uh, she and it says here accountants may still save the world, but they need to recognise the rights of nature to exist for its own sake. You were saying one of it was one of the takeaways, and then you talk about um, Jane Gleason White's uh, book Six Capitals. And there was a sustainability conference there, um, and you know you're quite concerned about water. And they were talking about you know water is blue gold and such. But that's just in recognition that you know that the the environment has been something that we've been making money out, but we can't really coexist with the environment with that model. And I think that's what you're pointing out in your book. But would you say? Yeah. So there's a there's a real push on, and Jane Gleason's White's uh, book. Six Capitals is really worth a read. It's fantastic. Um, but, but that is the kind of um, argument that's going now in global markets is uh, there's this push for big companies to, you know, account for their emissions, account for the costs in their supply chain to look after the environment. Um, and that, that's leading to a discussion about whether we should value nature and you know, in a, in a typical farming system, the farmer gets paid for an increase in their yield of their crop, whatever it is, fruit, um, wheat, 
meat, they get paid for increases in yield. They don't get paid to look after the landscape. And, and they you, can't price that into the into the the cost of the product because you know we always come back to this. You know, the food price has to be cheap so people on low incomes can afford that, and that is true. But that cost is still happening somewhere. So it's either happening in the environment; the environment is paying, or the labour is paying, or the farmer is paying, or the consumer, the eater, has to pay. So yeah. somewhere we have to balance that equation. And you were saying, you know, this, um, you were talking about the cost of food um, in Australia, Britain and the United States, that people, it's fairly, the food costs are fairly low, but for people, obviously, they've got less income, they spend a lot more money on, on their food. And so, you know, that, that issue of people being able to access food and have food security is, is, you know, linked, obviously, to the economy, but it is very concerning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Australia is one of, I think it's only eight countries who, pay less than 10% of their average income on, on food. That, um, and, and so the price of food is quite low in Australia, even though I totally acknowledge that there is a cohort who, who can't afford food. Uh, and we saw that in the pandemic, you know, with distributions from organisations like Food Bank. But, uh, you know, how we balance those two things, I think, is really important. Um, yes. going forward and this idea of landscape regeneration amelioration paid for either by value adding the food to people who can afford it or by landscape payments either from companies or government I think is the, is where we're going to end up in that and on that and certainly that's happening now in places like the United Kingdom where they're pivoting their production subsidies towards an environmental payment rather than a production payment. Now, Australia, has, Australia and New Zealand have some of the lowest subsidies for farmers in the world. Uh, and, but how, how that um, cohort, you know, survives going forward, I think, is going to be an issue. And the bigger the company, the more scale they have, it gives them a natural advantage in an in a environment that, that doesn't really price in the, the value of the land. You mentioned COVID in the book as well. There's two more issues we just talk about. And I think the Indigenous landowners, the First Nations as land stewards, and you've talked about COVID and how the long supply chains have now been challenged. And, you know, there's much shorter su supply chains now like we have here in Byron. There's a lot of paddock to plate um, entities here where you know people are supplying food directly from the farm and we have fairly prolific farm markets here farmers markets here as well but uh, that thing about you know we, we should be acknowledging our first nations people as, as land stewards and providing more local food do you agree yeah yeah so i think that's a big thing and we did see that with covid that we have become very reliant on long global supply chains. And I think the thing that COVID taught us was that we need to get those local and regional supply chains more robust. We, we saw people, you know, smaller um, growers run over by demand from their local people who couldn't get uh, stuff at their usual supermarket. And I think that's really important. And, and the thing I'd say about the Indigenous um, element, I interview Oral Maguire in the book, who's a Noongar man and has set up with, um, with uh, his mob, uh, he bought a place back that was a rundown, as it happened, sheep and wheat farm. He said, I want the crap 
healthiest country because I want to rehabilitate it. And um, he's now planted, uh, 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 I think it's almost a million trees now on that place. He's, he's turned it in, they've turned it into a place where you can forage, where stock can forage, but people can forage as well. And I think that sort of example is really a kind of optimistic um, as we think of different ways to manage land. And it won't always be one way or the other. Like we will always have corporates in the system. Corporates do provide jobs, um, but they obviously have scale and resources that can uh, that give them an advantage over the small to medium-sized farmers. I mean, and the thing I always love about going through Byron is you can, you can get that paddock to plate stuff. You do see stalls out the front of farms where you can pick up fruit and veggies and bits and pieces. Um, it, it's funny in a farming... I, I live in a farming community, but where where we tend to be mid-sized farmers, so we're producing commodities, and I think it's those middle farmers that are really hollowing out because you're sort of stuck between having too much wheat to sell at the local market, but not enough to say export like the big corporates, and I think that's a really um, interesting area to look at, uh, and and possibly will change and and that middle farm farmers will drop um, in the next couple of decades even further. There's so much in the book, uh, so I'll again say the title, Why Should You Give an F About Farming? Uh, we're speaking to Gabrielle Chan, who's the next below. She's a political reporter. She writes for The Guardian. She uh, blogs for The Guardian and currently writes for The Guardian. And the books, you know, it covers so many issues. See, we've got government policy, deregulation, you know, diplomatic relations. You go into some really interesting conversations about diplomatic relations, you know, so cities and relationships with the farms. There's just, uh, you know, carbon sequestration, water. You talk about water. There's so many things. It's a great book and it's a good read and, and, and you, you're quite um, entertaining in, in the way you were. Thank you. <laughs> some, like I said, we were saying something there about Minister uh, Karen gave, was it gave the, uh, farming and enema in the in the 80s was that the correct yeah, yes <laughs> yes yeah um john karen was the agriculture minister under the hawk leading hawk keating labor government and he really was the one that started um looking at farming closely and and pulling apart some of the old protections and and tariff barriers and and single trading desks and and the interesting thing about John was uh, I interviewed him and I catch up with him um, every so often and he really had some um, misgivings about total deregulation. So I think what we're talking about here is, you know, we need to get into some sort of balance. I think the big um, lie about deregulation is essentially that it's not a natural system. Like we still have rules in our markets. We still have regulations set by our parliaments. We still have laws. So we are regulated. I think what deregulation did was really re-regulate for bigger interests. And I guess what I would like to see is, is a greater balance so that we acknowledge that some of these systems like food and farming go to our landscape health and our human health. And so they can't be treated, you know, like a, a car factory or a television factory. It's just not the same thing. That's, <laughs> yes. 
Yes, thank you. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today about your book uh, that has been released this week, Why You Should Give an F About Farming. That's uh, through Vintage Books. It's a, a Penguin um, a branded uh, book. So just thank you so much. Uh, do you have a website or anything that people can go to? Uh, if they just search the book, Why You Should Give an F About Farming, uh, on the Penguin website, it's uh, all there. Right. There's and reviews there from Charlie Massey, uh, Don Watson, uh, Catherine Murphy from The Guardian, uh, Matthew Evans. So um, you can find all the information there and links to buy the book online. Gabrielle, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And it's a very, you know, really important topic. It needs a lot of priority, particularly in this challenging times. You know, like I said, you know, supply chains are, are becoming threatened now. So we'll look forward to reading you in The Guardian. And thank you for being with Eco Futures today. I will okay. just add that um, even though you can buy it online, uh, support your local bookshop if yes, you can, we, if it's open. And we do, uh, we do actually have some. Great.